The biggest thing is what I focus on first, to me, this is the foundation, right? Is to really get your sales business, no matter what sales you're in, but let's just say real estate sales. Get your sales business as a repeatable, curated experience for your customers. Your network is your net worth. Come listen to some of the most successful people I know. Share invaluable knowledge, stories, and advice in real estate, business, and beyond. This is Weiss Advice. Whether you want to take your business or personal life to the next level, look no further. Welcome back to another episode of Weiss Advice. I'm your host, as always, Yona Weiss. Excited to be here once again with another incredible guest. I'm excited to bring to you Terrence Murphy. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing good, bro. It's good to connect with you again, man. Pleasure is mine. We had a great podcast together on your show. And I'm just excited to be able to have this conversation with you again, because you've inspired so many people throughout your career, both as a listeners, in case you don't know who he was, he was once a full-time football player, NFL, Green Bay Packers, right? <laughs> Doing yeah. And taking those skills and bringing it into entrepreneurship, started several companies, very big in real estate, have your own brokerage, have your own investment company, venture capital, so many other things going on. I don't even know where to go with it. Why don't you give me your rundown and your summary, and then we'll, we can get this show on the road. No, man, I'm just excited to be on the show. Thanks for having me. You know, it's really a movement in this space right now because there, you still have to feel like you fit in a box, but now people can come in with their own story and be creative in the real estate industry and just be themselves, right. man. So yeah, it's Terrence Murphy, you know, under the Terrence Murphy company brand, we have 20 ventures and companies that my wife and I own or run are a part of, and then we're invested in another 30, man. So between our ventures and other ones we're invested in, probably 50 ventures, we plan to keep growing our uh, portfolio. That's incredible. So 20 businesses that you are a part of and another 30 that you're invested in. And are those companies, real estate, what's the kind of breakdown of that? Yeah, I'd say the majority of them are real estate. You know, a lot of them, you know, construction company or real estate brokers, like you said earlier, we started a real estate brokerage in our 20s with no experience. I did seven transactions at Keller Williams when I started my own brokerage. <laughs> Looking back, I don't know what I was thinking, but I was just fearless and I went for it. And I scaled a startup brokerage, an idea on a napkin, no franchise to $1.1 billion in sales in eight years in a small college town. So it had never been done. And we did it. And from that, we kind of leveraged the brokerage to start other businesses. And that's how we've been able to scale. That's awesome. And so now, you know, as an entrepreneur, obviously you have success. Most entrepreneurs who have success and they're smart, they then take that those earnings and put them into, you know, rental properties, into real estate or other businesses as well, which is obviously something that you're doing. Is there like a preferred business or preferred rental property type that you focus on? Yeah. So we started off, we cut our teeth at 23 and 25. We started buying urban development. So we started buying duplexes, houses. We were just buying dirt. And I really understood dirt at an early age because I knew dirt was the key to any real estate project being successful. Mm -hmm. You know, and I remember back then I was studying the whole McDonald's story, right? And people think it's a hamburger place, but it's really just a real estate play, right? It's a real estate company. And so I understood that and I understood that early. And I, my favorite game growing up was Monopoly. It was a concept that made sense to me. And so I started buying up these properties in these areas that needed to be revitalized. They needed a little bit of uplifting, but people wouldn't go in that area. But to me, I played football at the stadium, like right across the street. So I would look at Kyle Field, this huge stadium, 100,000 
people stadium or, you know, attendance. And I was like, why aren't people buying these properties? And I started buying them. And then I understood, you know, HBU, which has the best use. I started understanding zoning, density, you know, replatting, really taking up if you get the zone change going vertical, all those things. And when I started understanding that, that's when I started growing my student housing portfolio. Mm-hmm. And it was a grind for 10 years, man. But we were able to do really well with that. And from that, we started buying commercial strip centers, Starbucks, Buffalo Wild Wings, AT&T's. And then we buy multifamily and we buy ranch land. So I love buying ranch land, these big ranches that have highway frontage. Because, you know, the most wealth made in our country was a lot of the families that have built great wealth, built it through land. Right. Yeah. And then you're in Texas, which there's plenty of land out there, right? Yeah. Although it's so hot. I mean, it sounds like it's a lot of it's getting eaten up, getting picked up. Yeah. It's getting competitive in the former ranch space. And, you know, I always tell people, you know, there's experiences that we have. We just got to step back and try to figure out how to leverage them. I was already selling ranches to other people. So I'm like, well, why don't I start buying them? Right. And so it just made sense over time. And it's been real estate is the way to go. That's why I'm on the show. That's why we met. You meet so many great people and, you know, it can go so many ways. So that's kind of where we're at on the, I call it the day-to-day operational piece. Mm-hmm. Then we really started getting into real estate tech, prop tech, fintech. And that's been something I've grown a new passion for. Oh, really interesting. In prop tech, I mean, there's so many verticals, so many different ways to go about because the industry is is really in its infancy. I mean, there are so many ways that we can leverage technology. And we've talked about it a few times in the show, especially within real estate, because on the one hand, technology in a lot of senses is in its infancy, but real estate, especially commercial, is in very many ways kind of antiquated. It's outdated. A lot of systems are people are doing it in the old, old, old ways. And it's taking kind of a long time for these kind of worlds to meet. One of the things that I'm teaching real estate professionals right now is we used to be in competition with each other. We're not in competition with each other anymore. We're in competition with other industries. So when you look at someone who has an experience with Amazon, they have an experience where they could just sit in there on their front porch and order something, or mm-hmm. you know, they have a Starbucks experience. They we're competing against all these other industries. When you can click a button instead of waiting in the rain for a taxi, you can click a button and Uber picks you up, right? Those type of technology experiences, these customers are getting used to that, right? Right. And then they come to the real estate industry and we're still doing stuff like we did in the 70s, right? Mm-hmm. Remember in 2010, we were still faxing contracts, right? <laughs> and so it's like, come on, man. So when DocuSign got involved in those type of technology companies, it not only made us more efficient, but it made us more competitive in mm-hmm. our consumer experience. And you said it earlier, I'm very passionate right now about teaching other real estate professionals to take the income or the cash flow from their sales business and put it in two verticals, put it in real estate, income producing cash flow and properties, and then income producing and cash flow and businesses. It's that simple. I mean, it sounds simple, but for a lot of people, it becomes complicated. I mean, how do you simplify that for someone like me? Like, you know, thank God I have a very high paying sales job and, you know, I'm excited. I invest in real estate, but at the same time, you have a lot of offers kind of put in front of you. You don't necessarily know which is the right way to go. Like, how do you simplify that for people? It's a great question. I think the biggest thing is what I focus on first, to me, this is the foundation, right? Is to really get your sales business, no matter what sales you're in, but let's just say real estate sales. Get your sales business as a repeatable, curated experience for your customers. 
mm-hmm. where whether you deal with me or someone on my team, you're getting a five-star experience, right? It's a very consistent consistency here. So if you go to Starbucks in LA or Starbucks in Arizona or Arkansas, you're going to get a similar consumer experience. And so that's what we got to focus on first. How do we make our sales business repeatable, have the right processes to where we can scale it? And then once we scale, which is the I, we, and they, right? So I, we start off doing it, then we, we bring in a team and staff and start leveraging. Then at some point they are doing it, but we're still, mm. you know, we're still getting the similar income and actually income is three, four, five X and without you giving your time. So that's the first thing I got to get back to you and get that mm. business repeatable. So you get more time back. Now you're working on the business and not in the business. Yeah. So that's, no, that's very powerful. Yeah. So that's step one. Then step two, well, what does that do for you? Right. You're already really creative. You already understand how to grow a sales business that gives you your time back. So now let's talk about how to leverage your time. I call it TBS. Where's your time best spent? And then we focus on where you're spending your time. And then that's when we use that to read books and podcasts and listen to Yana and Terrence and do all these things to understand, okay, here's how I can choose and be more educated on what to invest in, whether it's and a passive syndication, or whether I'm just going to go buy one single family home, or I'm going to buy a duplex and move in one side, leverage the other. That's where Mm. you can really get that time back to focus on those things. I always tell people, invest in what you're interested in. You know, you see a lot of people who invest in things that they have no interest in, and they wonder why they're not enjoying it. Like, it needs to be something that you enjoy looking at, reading about, studying. And then from that, we take the cash flow from your business that we leveraged and scaled. We take the cash flow from your income producing asset, whether it's self-storage, commercial, multifamily, single family, whatever. And then we go buy businesses that are essential businesses, affiliated businesses. And that's the game plan. That's awesome. I love that you have all these acronyms and you kind of figured out and you, you make it like a game. I mean, it really is. It's strategic. And I think life should be in business, especially should be in investing, should be strategic and should be kind of gamified in a sort of a way. You've obviously taken a lot of the skills that you picked up on the field. You spent a lot of time doing that. Are you still involved at all in any sense in terms of the actual professional or competitive side of things? I mean, obviously it's a big part of your history. We see the mural on your wall behind you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I had an artist make this and uh, this young man who's trying to build his portfolio. He made this thing. It was pretty cool, man. It's it's huge. It doesn't look that big behind me, but if I stand up, I think it's like seven by seven or something crazy like that. Yeah. So I'm really involved. I'm back here in College Station, which is where Texas A&M University is. So I literally can see the stadium from my office right here. So I'm close. I'm involved there. I don't go by much. Right now, I'm a soccer dad, (laughs) you know, a little league football dad. I got three kids under 11. So I'm coaching their teams right now. But I will say I do a camp every year, which is one of the things that I want to do to give back to underprivileged kids in our community. It's the Terrence Murphy Camp Football, Finance, and Faith. I had been to so many football camps where, you know, and not knocking those camps. I just had a different vision. Where you go there, you bring in NFL guys, you sign autographs, you pat the kids on the head and you leave. I wanted to do more. So that's where I did football, finance, and faith. So we literally do a whole financial literacy seminar. So these wow. kids are coming in and for pretty much from like eight to one o'clock, they're in different financial seminar classes. And we're teaching them about financial literacy. Then we do a worship piece where we have a worship concert, a really small worship concert. We have a message and then we have an altar call. And we had 50 kids step out of the aisle, not just raise their hand in the crowd, but step out of the aisle, walk down front crying, 
and say they wanted to give their life to Christ. We had 50 kids give their life to God, man, at a football camp. And so that's something else that I'm really passionate about is giving them all those pieces. And then after that, I mean, teaching them financial literacy and seeing them have those moments with God that they haven't had, man, the football piece was the fun part. It was the easy part. Sure. Yeah. I mean, football camp, like, yeah, you can get that anywhere. But what you're doing is something that, like you said, is a little bit out of the box, but should be taught on every level. I mean, financial literacy and faith, those are two you know, huge pillars of life that unfortunately, a lot of people in our day and age are not putting any emphasis on whatsoever. I mean, for sure, not the faith part and for sure, not the financial literacy part. I mean, you know, for yourself, I'm sure being around people in the professional sports, I mean, how small of a percentage are those people like you who went from, you know, making a good salary in the NFL to them being completely broke after they retired, which, you know, unfortunately a football career for most people is pretty short lived. Yeah. You know, there are exceptions, you know, there are definitely people that are, you know, playing, you know, five, 10, 15 years, but for most people, it's much shorter than that. And so what do you do if you have nothing to fall back on? Exactly. And that's something that I see a hole there. These kids, we don't give them the real statistics, just like we don't give real estate agents the real statistics, the sobering facts in my life experience of being drafted, Aaron Rodgers name got called. And guess who else's name got called within that same draft, same class? My, me. So we were drafted. He was the first pick. I was the second pick. Me and Nick Collins, we're roommates. Aaron Rodgers, my roommate. This dude's a back-to-back NFL MVP right now, not 20 years ago, right now, highest paid player in the NFL. He's my roommate. And so he's obviously having a Pro Bowl career. I got injured six games into my rookie season. Now I was drafted to be his sidekick, but it wasn't part, it wasn't in God's plans for me to do that. So what did I need to do to pivot? Man, when I pivoted, I had no backup. Mm-hmm. And I'm grateful to God that my mom stayed on to me about being studious. And, you know, I was a three-time academic all-conference, so not just on the football side. So I was able to take that, but it was a transition. It was a grind. It was a process. There was nothing in place for me to transition. And so I don't want other kids to go through that, right? And so I'm telling them now, less than 1% of you guys will not only go pro, will have a career past two years. And even if you have a great career, you're still, if you play 10 years, you're still 32 when you're done. So mm-hmm. I'm just trying to get them ready for that now. I'm not trying to kill their dreams. I'm just telling them that there are other things you can do in life. Yeah, absolutely. And even if they do, you know, kids make it, yeah, it's a very small percentage, but even still, a lot of them just blow the blow, whatever, because they don't have the financial literacy. They don't know what it means to save money or to invest money. Yep. You know, I've spoken to other professional athletes they're blowing all of their income with, you know, the first day or first week that they have it, you know, throwing parties, buying cars, doing whatever. Yeah. You don't have those foundations. You're unfortunately, I mean, it's even worse off in a lot of ways than people who are making minimum wage. Correct. Yeah, it is. Because what happens is then that when that lifestyle is over, the habits don't change. Mm-hmm. And that's where the struggle comes in. And I've seen it and man, you know, I have a passion to help people transition in all shape forms. Like people don't talk about real estate agents. 50% of agents are out of the industry after year one. Right. The other 50% that make it year two don't make it out of year two. So only 25% of agents make it to year three. And by year five, 13%. That's a pandemic. So we need to come up with systems and processes to teach these real estate agents that you're only as good as your last transaction, just Mm -hmm. like football. You can go out and have a great game, but if you blow your knee out, you're done. 
No one cares. Real estate's the same way. You can have a great multi-million dollar, dollar year last year, but if you got to start back over this year, so you got to be investing in income producing assets and cash flowing businesses. That's awesome. I mean, you have a lot of passion about this. It clearly shows through, you know, taking that and giving back and showing others to do it. What are you most bullish on right now? Obviously, you're talking about buying companies, buying, you know, income producing properties. Right now, is there any one vertical that you're kind of focusing on going forward more than anything else? I'd say one B, one A and one B, if you don't mind. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. One A is BFRs, built for rentals. Mm-hmm. You look at the weekly homes, you look at the Lennar, you look at these huge track home builders, these production builders. They learned a lesson in 2010. If you really study what they learned, they learned a lesson. That lesson was they had a lot of lots and they didn't have enough buyers and inventory and sales to finish out. And a lot of them got caught with their pants down. So the pivot they made is let's keep doing development because we're a machine. We have to develop. We have to build. We're a production home builder. And some of them obviously publicly traded companies. They made the pivot to we're going to develop the same neighborhood we were developing and versus selling it to a one-off first-time home buyer, Terrence and his wife or whatever. We're going to package them up lease them and sell them to private equity firms, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you look at it, in the state of Texas last year, 28% of the homes purchased in the state of Texas were by private equity firms. Wow. That's almost a third. That statistic just came out from Wall Street this last week. So 28% of the homes purchased in 2021 were by private equity firms. So BFRs is something to keep an eye on, built for rentals, new construction, instead of selling them, leasing them out and putting them all in one neighborhood. Yeah. It's like horizontal multifamily, basically. Correct. Yep. And that's something, honestly, I've been doing that place since 2008. So when I was doing that back in LA, people were like, oh, that's not scalable. But, you know, I'm probably at five, 600 properties later. (laughs) (laughs) And I think it turned out okay. So, but then obviously multifamily. Multifamily is still, to me, one of the stronger assets in the nation. And doubling down on Sunbelt states, obviously Texas, to me, is number one and number two state. Like Dallas is number one and number two city in America for rental growth rates. So, right. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I definitely agree with you on both of those. I think those, especially the build for rent model, is something that is taking a lot more steam. I have a few friends and uh, we've had on the show a couple of people talk about that model and how they're investing into that, doing new developments, because that's, you know, it's a big change and it's similar to multifamily, but it's better in a lot of ways because people are much more willing to move into a neighborhood where they feel like they have their own home. They have their own space. You know, they have their garage and they have their backyard and everything like that, even though they're still leasing it, but they still feel like more of a community and they're going to stay longer because of that. And so the rent turnaround, the, you know, loss to lease is much, much less when you're talking about developments like that. Yeah. You took the words out of my mouth. That's the game changer is the turnover rate. You know, because people get in those homes, they stay three years, four years, five years. Uh, So yeah, it's a no-brainer. It's a good move. It's a good play. That's huge. That's awesome. And multifamily, for sure. I mean, this is something that is a no-brainer for most of us. I mean, I'm very big on... I love Texas also. It's one of the hottest places in the country in terms of real estate and especially population growth and rental growth. Both of them are through the roof. So you got a great investment and solid investment, even in these times, which you know people were worried about a recession, people worried about interest rates going up and still people are doing deals. I don't see any slowdown from where I'm at. No, I think the only thing I'm seeing is, I remember last year, I wrote 16 LOIs on deals between 30 and 50 million. I got awarded one. 
<laughs> which is crazy. So on a $53 million asset outside of Dallas, it has 16 offers. So I just thought that was getting a little ridiculous. That has slowed just a little bit. Not, I do think that's simmering a little, mm-hmm. but I still think that multifamily is the way to go. It's a great play. It's a no-brainer. Let me ask you, going back to something you were talking about before, I mean, obviously you've built an extremely successful brokerage, which means you probably have brokers and you know realtors that are under you and training them and building them up. How do you help them? And of course, with the percentage of people that kind of drop off after a year or two, like what are some of the biggest tips that you give to someone when they're starting out to be able to become successful in doing that? Yeah. So I cut my teeth as a young broker with no experience of training brand new agents. I thought, which looking back was made no sense, but I built my brokerage on only hiring brand new agents. But I was very passionate about it because I felt like I didn't need to reteach them the habits. And I grew some animals within our brokerage. You know, the average agent closes five to eight transactions a year. We average 39.6 transactions per person. So we almost average 40 deals per agent at our brokerage. And we kept that for 10 years in a row, in which it's a highly productive, highly productive team. And we just, I focused on production and not like bringing in a lot of people. And that started with habits, right? Time blocking, understanding lead generation, you know, really knowing your personality. There's four different types of agents. I call it the four quadrant agent. And then you really got to do a disc profile and put yourself in the box and say, okay, this is how I produce business based on my personality. And then I would teach them lead generation strategies around their personality and around their time blocking, how to work their SOI. And they would just take off, man. I call it my playbook. Obviously, I'm a former football player. Mm-hmm. So I just give them a playbook and I say, run these plays based on your personality profile. This is where you fit. Now let's go forward and run those plays. And for 15 years, I've had people ask me, to coach their brokerages, mm-hmm. to travel and speak and do all these things. And I've said no, but I actually just rolled out my coaching business to help other brokers and other team leaders coach their agents. And I actually, I'm rolling it out in the next week or two. So yeah, I'm rolling it out. Billion dollar real estate agent and then billion dollar real estate investor and then billion dollar real estate entrepreneur. So I'll be dropping those courses soon, man. I'm excited about them. That's awesome. That's very exciting. I mean, that's something that you got to give back when you are that successful and you have had so much success. You know, you kind of feel an obligation to give back and to be able to coach other people. And obviously, you have that passion. You have the ability to build teams and to build other people up. And, you know, it's obviously another stream of income for you. For sure. And I think the biggest thing, it's almost like a legacy. I used to think my legacy was my family, my kids, right? Within my, you know, close family, but I realized my legacy is anyone who wants to be a part of my tribe, who can learn my playbook and go execute because it can also make generational changes for them too. And that's really the legacy you want is to bring as many people as long with you who want to come. You don't want to bring anybody kicking and screaming. You want to be there, but then you give them the tools to change their life. And I tell them guys, I'm going to give you everything you need, but at the end of the day, it's on you to do the work. 100%. So I see you got the hat there and the company, right? TM5. That's your brokerage. What's the five? Obviously, Terrence Murphy, I'm assuming that's the TM. What's the five stand for? Yeah, so the five stands for a lot, bro. It, you know, it's simple to say that it was my number at AM, number five, but more than that. Okay. The class in which you graduate, and I, because we had a military university, Texas AM was a military university. So, whatever class you graduate is a big traditional thing. And I was class of 2005. Matthew 5 is my foundational scripture, which is salt and light. You know, what good is salt? 
if it doesn't season, then what good is light if I light it and put it under the lampstand? So I'm always going to let my light shine, but do it in the way that I like within my personality. I don't want to be preachy. I just want to live it out and then let my light shine in that way. So Matthew 5 is my foundational scripture. And then the five keeps going. We have three kids, me and my wife, five in the family. And dude, I could literally go all day. So 2005, <laughs> I'll say this one and we'll move on. In 2005, when I was five years old, I have a picture. My mom has a picture of me with a, a Doug Williams Redskins Super Bowl jersey on or whatever. She had bought me one of the like helmets and stuff. And at five years old, I told her I'm going to make it to the NFL. And I did it in 2005. So, wow, yeah, it's crazy. So it took me 20 something years to do it, but I did it at age 22 in the year 2005. I got drafted in the first two rounds of the draft. So five is just who I am. That's awesome. I love that. Love when there's deeper meaning behind names. And obviously there, there certainly is with you, Terrence. I want to transition now. We call the final four. These are four questions to ask all my guests. First question for you, my friend, is what is the worst job that you ever had? Working at a pig farm. <laughs> so yeah, working at a pig farm at an early age, man. I used to, my friend across the street, his grandfather would pull up and blow his horn. He had a dually of slop and all that stuff hanging off the back. I grew up in the country. We'd run behind it, put our shoes in our hand, jump on a truck and go work all day. So that's my worst job. Wow. That doesn't sound like, that doesn't sound like fun. <laughs> no. All right. Second question. What's a book you've read that's given you a paradigm shift? Man, it's life-changing. I encourage everybody. I wasn't a big reader growing up, but now I have 550 books in my library. Probably a little more than that now. I'm trying to read one book a week. But Untethered Soul, if you read that book, I guarantee you guys, if you're listening, it will change your life. Okay. If you can give me one thing about that change your life or, or gave you that paradigm shift or change your mind outlook. You said it there. It was a paradigm shift because it really gives you a new perspective on life. It gives you a new perspective with the things that are happening around you, right? Mm. You get up and you're like, I'm gonna have a great day. And then somebody almost runs you over at a light. Then you get an email that the deal fell out. And then there's just stuff's going to happen every day, but it's the way you receive it and live through it is the paradigm shift that I got. Gotcha. Okay. So just bringing about a better understanding of who you are and, you know, living life like that. That's awesome. Yeah. So we'll put that in the show notes. Definitely everyone check that out. Add that to your reading list, Untethered Soul. Third question, what is a skill or talent that you would like to learn? Long range shooting. I've been doubling down on my ranch. I have set up my own shooting range. And yeah, I just want to get better, man. My dream was to be an Army Ranger, but I wouldn't play football. But if I didn't play football, I was going to go to the Army and be an Army Ranger. So I just enjoy long range shooting. It's something that I want to get better at. And I enjoy it. All right. Awesome. And you got, obviously, you have the property, you have the setup there. You make it a little easier. <laughs> Actually, for Father's Day, I set up a new shooting range. I brought dirt from a construction site, built the mound up, built the site up. I actually can shoot off my front porch now. So I got a 200 yard <laughs> shot off the porch. That's, That's awesome. In country. <laughs> yeah, totally. Right. You can only do that in Texas. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Fourth and final question. What does success mean to you? Success to me means two things, twofold, and I'll, it'll be quick. One is going anywhere, doing anything with anyone at any time when I want to, right? Just freedom. I've grinded for a long time. I've been working since I was 12 years old I, and I've just worked hard. And at some point, you know, I just want to be able to step back. And so I actually just took a six month sabbatical. It's the longest sabbatical I've taken in my life. So I just did that. I just came off my sabbatical. I'm, I'm back in office in two weeks. And I remember thinking I wanted to do it, but when you're in it, you just feel that 
angst to want to go back to life. And it's like, no, man, this mm-hmm. is what God is asking me to do right now. So I just stayed there. That was that. And then, yeah, just leaving a legacy so that if when I'm, you know, God calls me home, there's breadcrumbs that I left behind to help other people be better. And it sounds like from what we discussed today, there's a lot of different ways in which you're, you've already done that and you are continuing to build that and do that and leave a legacy. So that's awesome. Both incredible answers. I love that. And that's really success. And when you can leave behind and show other people the way that you've gotten to where you've gotten, I think that shows a very successful kind of altruistic way of view of the world. For sure, man. Yeah. That's what it's about, brother. None of this is going with us to heaven, man. It's not. 100%. <laughs> yeah. We're just stewards. Absolutely. Well, Terrence, where can our listeners find you or reach out to you if they want to? Yeah. So check me out on Instagram. It's just Terrence Realtor, T-E-R-R-E-N-C-E, and then Realtor, R-E-A-L-T-O-R. There's like 30 fake accounts right now. <laughs> Killing me, brother. With like two T's in Realtor. And then people are asking me, Terrence, did you message me about Bitcoin? No, I didn't. So uh, yeah, it's a mess, man. But uh, yeah, Terrence Realtor or just TerrenceMurphy.com. That's our enterprise site. Just TerrenceMurphy.com. That's awesome. Yeah. I've seen some of those uh, and reported some of those fake accounts there. It's crazy. (laughs) They probably messaged you today and you're like, dude, I'm talking to him right now. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, and then check out the podcast, man. It's a new podcast. You were on it. You did a great job on cost segregation. It's just real estate entrepreneur with Terrence Murphy. I think we just went north of a hundred thousand downloads and views in the first 16 months. It's getting really good organic traffic. That's awesome. Yeah. Great show. Highly recommended. So everyone check that out. We'll make sure to put all that in the show notes so people can follow the real Terrence Murphy and appreciate your time today, my friend. It's really been great. Thank you again, bro. Let's stay connected, man. Absolutely. And to our listeners, thank you guys for tuning in once again, all the way to the end. Remember the best advice comes only when you ask. Real quick. I have one question for you. Did you like this episode? If you did, I want to ask you a huge favor. See, the biggest thing that helps this podcast grow and that will spread this message to the whole world is that if you leave a review, a rating, and subscribe to the podcast. What that does is it basically tells the platforms that this podcast is out on is that you like my stuff and I'm doing something right. So take a few seconds out of your day, hit that subscribe button, leave a rating review. I would be extremely grateful. Also, I want to hear from you guys. So I want to hear some feedback. If you have any questions for future episodes, please find me on LinkedIn, send me a DM, a connection request, Yona Weiss, and I'd love to hear from you.